Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well and welcome to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. In 2020, the pandemic began and it completely changed life as we know it. We're about three years out from it now, and I feel like many of us have kind of changed the way we view the world. Things have kind of shifted for us. With that time we had to reflect on how we view our day-to-day lives, a lot of us took a hard look at our careers, and some of us took the leap and moved into a whole new field, while others kind of just fantasize about making a potential change. So today, I want to take a look at some of these changes, and joining me today is a guest that I've looked forward to interviewing since I started this podcast six years ago, certified financial planner, host of the Jill on Money podcast, Jill Schlesinger. So Jill, how are you doing today? I'm great. What a nice introduction. Why is it taking you six years to have me come on the show? I had to write a book to get on your show. What, what have you been dragging your heels or have I just ignored you? Just to make sure it's not my fault. I want it to be your fault. No, you did not ignore me. Oh, you know, I, had, I had to feel worthy enough to bring you on the show. Jeez. I, I got to build up a resume before oh, I can even ask you. Come on. There. But before we even get into the conversation, I, I got to let people know, if you want to know who one of my biggest influences are when it comes to the financial space, who I listen to, who I try to learn from, it's 100% Jill. Back when I was in college, I would listen to a CNET tech podcast called The 404. And it was hosted by Jeff Bacalar, Justin Yu. And you would come on and bring financial you know, advice on a tech podcast. And that was my real introduction to all of this. Well, you know, that was like one of the most fun things, because when I was working at CBS Money Watch, we were all owned by CBS Interactive. Every so often they'd ask me financial questions in the office. And then one day they were like, hey, maybe you should just come on the pod and talk about some of this stuff to our people. It was great. I was always happy to do that. And it was really good for me because I learned so much from the audience of CNET and from those hosts as well, because they kind of held my hand with technology questions and I held their hand with financial questions. And It was a really lovely relationship. I had been a financial planner and a money manager for 14 years. And so this was like my first time in media full time. And it was really helpful. So I'm going to thank you and the audience of the 404 because it was really instructive. And many of those people followed me in my career. Well, I got to say, like the style and the way you approach all of this financial stuff, it's very kind and it's very approachable. And I hope to be able to grab just a piece of that in the way I try to deliver this stuff. So thanks for being a great introduction for me to all of this. Of course. I want to talk to you because you have a, an amazing book just came out, The Great Money Reset. In there, you talk about kind of this inflection point, this reset point for a lot of us that was the pandemic. And you gave a lot of great examples throughout the book. And there were three that I wanted to focus on. I'll just go through really quickly here. There's Melissa who left a demanding job to find herself and connect with family. There was Jamal who wanted to make a big career change, but instead he opted to kind of slowly transition then there was Blair, who he wanted to leave this high earning job for something that was lower paying, but a little more fulfilling. But he opted instead to kind of just change some habits and find a way to work things through with him and his husband. In the book, you said many of us somehow feel like we lack permission to make a change. And then you kindly gave us all permission to make that change. But you said we have to have our numbers straight. What does that mean? Like if you're, you're contemplating making a change, it's a dream. Maybe you've already made the change. But what does it mean to kind of look, think this through and get our numbers in order? Someone asked me a really interesting question that I think is a good backdrop to answering your question. So I was uh, in an event in your neck of the woods in Southern California, and someone asked me, you know, how would you describe the difference between, say, the financial crisis and the Great Recession that followed and then COVID, the recession and the period that followed? And I said, you know, when I was thinking about the financial crisis and even those years after 
people would contact me and they'd say, what should I do? What should I do? That was a different kind of question that I've been fielding recently. And the three examples you give are really perfect ways to illustrate that. After or during and then after COVID, I'm hopeful we're after-ish, the question is not so much what should I do, but the question became who am I? Mm. And I thought that was like a really amazing existential moment that we all shared amid the pandemic, that each one of us was affected. Not everybody was affected by the financial crisis. Yeah, it sucked to have a recession. Some people lost jobs. Many people lost houses, all of that to be said, but not, it wasn't like across the board where we all were experiencing this fear and this anxiety and the ability to really see that life can be short, right? A million people died during COVID, more than that now. It was a scary time. And I think we ask ourselves these questions of who am I? What makes me happy? Could I be happier? What am I doing in my career? How am I navigating this? This is a very interesting response to a unique period. And so what I found was that when I had these kinds of people contacting me, either after I was on TV or through my podcasts, what I realized was people didn't necessarily need permission, as, but they really did need structure. How can I make this decision? And the structure part is so interesting to me because I realized that I was walking people through these five steps over and over and over again. So I decided when I wrote the book, I'd be like an annoying network news person and label it the fabulous five because, (laughs) you know, I need some way to label it. So here's a fabulous five. Okay. And this is what you're, you're thinking about any sort of shift in your life. You really do have to contemplate the money aspect, right? So before I tell you whether or not your dream is a possibility or there are different aspects of it that could be possible, you first need to look at your resources. What are your resources? Just your assets. What do you have? Do you have money in the bank? Do you have a checking account? Do you have a retirement account? That's a resource, right? And also your resources would be your salary. What are you earning right now? If you work for an organization, what benefits are you receiving? Because sometimes these dreams have a way of sort of morphing into a a side hustle, maybe a consulting gig. But what I really want people to think about when they're looking at resources, not just your income, but those benefits, which are really valuable. We never realize that till we lose them. So resources, extremely important. Look, there's no other way to say it. I hate tax season. I hate everything involved with doing my taxes, with gathering all the random forms. I hate figuring out if I'm going to owe or get a refund. I hate every aspect of this process. And this is why I get help. And if I had to guess, you're probably like me. So this tax season, don't sit around and struggle and get frustrated. Let H&R Block help you. H&R Block is not only bringing you today's bag of popcorn, but they are also bringing you the help you need this tax season with 15% off their DIY online tax filing products. So filing your taxes doesn't have to be the rage-inducing event that it has been for years. Their do-it-yourself platform is one of the most convenient ways to file online. You can just be sitting at home in your sweatpants getting your taxes done. You don't have to even think about it. DIY offers a surprise-free tax preparation experience that immediately starts with upfront and transparent pricing, which I always respect. I want to know exactly how much this is going to cost me before I get started with all of this. Throughout the process, there are expert on-demand H&R Block tax professionals that can help you whenever you need it. 
Not to mention, your maximum refund is guaranteed. So get started early and get your refund faster by clicking the link in the show notes or head to popcornfinance.com slash hrblock to receive 15% off DIY online tax filing products with H&R Block through April 18th. Again, that's popcornfinance.com slash hrblock for 15% off DIY online tax filing products with H&R Block. Next, what is the money out there that you owe? Do you owe your family money? Did they help you through school? Do you have your own student debt? Are there credit cards? What is it out there that is, you know, you owe? So, you know, when we think of those first two steps, it's a, it's a balance sheet. Assets on the left side, liabilities on the right side. The only difference is I'm adding in the income part because I want people to account for that. The third part of the Fabulous Five is to consider your housing. You know, it's interesting about housing because I think we learned a lot during the pandemic. It may be that you now have an opportunity to have a different kind of a housing arrangement. Maybe you can work remotely. Maybe a longer commute isn't so bad when it's only three days a week. Maybe a no commute is better for you. Just as you think about housing, what is it that you learn? Do you need more space? Can you work in a way that is in a tiny space because you're going into an office after all? Do you own? Do you rent? That's the kind of question you talk about with yourself. Now, the fourth mm, the fourth one is tough because people hate this one, but it's basically <laughs> figuring out how much you're spending. Mm. And I have a whole extra chapter on consumption. But like, I'm not saying you have to stop spending. You just have to know what you're spending. So, Chris, if you and I are looking at our, our household, you and I are married and we have cash flow. It's not to say that I get to sit down with you and say, Chris, you're spending too much money on lattes because that's nonsense. But what we just want to do is really account for what it is we are spending Mm. and not make a judgment about it. Okay, so no judgments, just like what is it? And the fifth and very important part of the Fabulous Five is to consider what obligations you've made to others. What do I mean by that? Again, let's go back to you and me being married. We're such a cute couple. I'm so happy about this. I think so. <laughs> I really, I want a younger man. Uh, I'm ditching my old lady and getting a younger man. So when I think about that, I think, you know, couples have obligations to each other, right? We might have said, gosh, we're going to work really hard and we're going to do blank in the future. Or maybe we have kids and we had said, hey, you know what? We really want to try to pay for a public university education. Maybe I've made an, op- I have an obligation to my siblings because I have aging parents, The reason why this is important is that some big changes in your life could impact those obligations. It doesn't mean that those obligations are in stone, right? Everything is negotiable, but it's a big difference if I'm changing my life and blowing it up and changing things around. And my 16 year old who's finishing, you know, sophomore year in high school has an expectation that I'm going to pay for college. And I say, whoops, no, I'm not. That's kind of like feels kind of bad to do that at that late juncture, but maybe I could renegotiate that if the kid's in fifth grade. So those five steps are incredibly important because in each of the cases of say, Melissa, who is a TV producer, who was trying to figure out like just how to breathe again. And, and the, and the other two, it's like, you have to kind of look at where you are. You have to consider those five things. And then you say, what do I want to do next? Right? What is my dream? I want to be Chris. I want to be a podcaster. Okay, great. What am I going to lose by 
leaving my full-time job by doing that? How long am I going to give myself? How much money, how much of my resources am I going to burn up in this journey? When will I have an idea whether this works or doesn't work? And what I hope people can consider is three different scenarios, the best case, the middle case, and the worst case. And it was funny because Jamal is such a great call. He calls into the program and he's like, I'm a tech guy, but I love personal finance. I want to be a certified financial planner. And he's really like gung ho. And then I walked through some stuff with him and I walked through the fabulous five. And I said, look, you can do all the coursework to become a certified financial planner. But if you quit your full-time job, you'll have no income except for like basically a base amount while you're still learning this craft of financial planning. And he was more like, wait, I don't want to give up my full-time job. I have obligations. I can go slower and eventually get there, but I don't have to do this all at once. Mm, And I think that the kinds of negotiations you make with yourself around your three different case scenarios and how it impacts those five different aspects of your financial life are incredibly important. And, you know, look, as I walk through this conversation with a lot of people, sometimes I say, well, if you're willing to kind of constrain your spending a little bit. Great. If you're not, then you have different options, but you have to know what you're willing to give on. And that's why going through the actual numbers and contemplating your best middle and worst case scenario can really help you understand what your choices are. It's okay if you go through this whole process and you say, eh, I'm pretty happy where I am. It's okay. I'm, I'm actually happier here than I thought because I don't want to give anything else up. That's cool. I think going through the process will actually give you a lot of information, help you feel like you have more control over your life. You know, it's not every day that I get to have someone on the podcast who has influenced me as much as Jill has. Uh, Clearly, I'm a huge fan of her work. And for that reason, I completely lost track of time. So I decided to split this conversation into two parts because I couldn't really bear to cut more out of this episode. So we'll be back next week with part two of our conversation. But until then, head over to JillOnMoney.com to grab a copy of Jill's new book, the Great Money Reset and check out our podcast, Jill on Money, that I listen to multiple times a week because I just learn so much every time I listen to the podcast. So links to all of that will be in the show notes. If you're not already subscribed to Popcorn Finance, make sure you do. So that way next week when part two drops, you'll get it right away in your favorite podcast app. So as always, I appreciate you joining me here for yet another bag of popcorn. Hope you have an amazing rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Your boy keep it poppin' like Mary Poppins.